0: and welcome to the first edition of the About IBD podcast. I'm your host, Amber Tresca. I write about IBD at verywell.com, where you can find me and you can find a plethora of articles that I have authored about IBD because I started doing this in the year 2000. So there's plenty of things there for you to discover if you haven't already been on my website. It's a Typically, a lot of really great information about the specifics of IBD, how you get diagnosed, what the symptoms are, what the treatments are. And then I also go into deeper subjects, like how other parts of your body can be affected, like your gallbladder or your teeth. And then other things, um, teaching you the things that I've learned over the years or that I've learned from other people about how you can live better Uh, despite having a diagnosis of IBD. And I decided to start a podcast. I've been wanting to do it for a while. But there's a lot of different reasons that a podcast is going to be helpful in the IBD community. Um, One of them is that things come up every so often. They're not always uh, things that we can sort of respond to quickly on a website, you know, writing an article typically takes some time, takes some thought, um, and some sources. You know, you go get interviews or you find research, things like that, and then it goes through medical review, so on and so forth. And occasionally, things happen now just lightning quick, and information starts getting spread around, and. Um, IBD advocates are sort of running to keep up, and what do we do? This this uh, poor quality information is just being disseminated over and over again, and we have a hard time sort of tamping it down really in the moment. And I thought a podcast would be really great for things like that, that because it's something that I can do. I'm just here. I've got my my little forty dollar microphone and my iPhone, and I'm in my living room with some foam pieces and. It sounds pretty good, and I can turn it out pretty fast. Um, and I, I do want to do interviews. I have some interviews lined up. So it's not always just going to be me talking, ranting, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'll have some other people who are going to have different perspectives on things. So we'll see where we can take it from here. I think it's going to be great. But uh, for this initial podcast, I just wanted to talk for a few minutes about something that happened, uh, it's now March 2017, with a study that came out last October 2016. And it got so big at the time that people were sending this article to me, different articles. They were sending me different articles about this research, and then one of my editors finally contacted me and asked me if I wanted to do something with it. And for a minute, I didn't know what to do because it was one piece of research, and it Hadn't been replicated anywhere else yet, and I, I didn't know where to take this. I, you know, it 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 didn't seem to fit into any of the the outlets that I I had. So I thought about it, and I said, you know what? What I really want to talk about is how this is one piece of research, and that we really can't get too excited over it. And How we should use critical thinking when these things come out. So, the article that I wrote for Very Well on this is called Why Not Every Study on IBD is a Breakthrough. Patients must use critical thinking when reading about IBD research. And I go into a little bit of how uh, research is done and is wonderful. This is amazing. But then in some cases, it's picked up by the lay press. And by lay press, I mean like your local news stations or even sometimes the, you know, bigger conglomerates. But I'm talking about some somewhere where they don't have someone on staff who has an intimate knowledge of IBD. So even though they may be a science reporter or a medical reporter, IBD is exceptionally complicated and without sort of uh, a background in history in what's happening, you may, as a reporter, you may receive a press release that is talking about how amazing this research is and how it's groundbreaking, so on and so forth. And it's a, that's a little out of perspective, you know, as press releases tend to be. So you have to put that in perspective and decide. So when this research came through and people were sending it to me, I said, well, I can respond sort of one-off, and I can tell people, ah, eh, this doesn't really look like it's going to, it's not going to change anything tomorrow for people with Crohn's disease, or maybe not even five years from now. I don't know. But it's just one piece of research and totally interesting. But there were all of these articles coming out reporting on it saying, we have found the cause of Crohn's disease. Finally, hallelujah, here we go, good news, da-da-da-da-da. And it was kind of like, uh, well, no, let's take a step back because, you know, not really. And there's several different reasons for that. So, it, it you know, you want to believe it, but I'm here to tell you, when we figure out what causes Crohn's disease, first off, it's not going to be one study that comes out and it just changes everything. That's definitely not going to happen. It's going to be a slow progression. Sorry, tiny bit anticlimactic, but it will be. It'll be, you know, build, build, build like steps. You want to think of it that way. And then when we, when we finally get somewhere, when we get to a landing, um, I promise you, I will tell you what is going on. I mean, I will be the first one running down the street with my hair on fire, yelling that we finally just made our major breakthrough. So, promise. If you don't hear me talking about it, it's on any of my social media channels. You know, I'm everywhere. About IBD is my handle. And if I don't do an article about it, If I don't do a blog about it on my blog about IBD.com, then it's, eh, you know, it's research. It's good. It's great. It's maybe moving us up a step or half a step or what have you. But we're not at a landing yet. So um, anyway, here we go. This study was about some folks that they found these families in northern France and Belgium. And there were some people in these families that had IBD. And there were some people in these families that did not not have IBD. was pretty typical. And they went and looked at all of the, the bacteria and all of the bugs that these folks had inside their intestines. As we all do. Uh, hopefully you know that. You are basically walking around with just a whole ecosystem inside of you. And it's pretty freaking amazing. Anyway, they... they samples and figured out what was in the makeup of the different people and they said holy cow these people with Crohn's disease have a couple of like extra things going on they have a little bit more of certain bacteria and they have this this fungus too and so this is where we get into this where it's correlation is not causation so These folks with Crohn's disease had a little bit different makeup in their uh, intestinal flora. And then sort of the lay press sort of ran with it and said, oh, then it must be that this fungus is causing the Crohn's disease. Well, I I mean, I don't like you can't say that. I I don't see how you can possibly come to that conclusion. Um, It's not a new idea. This, you know, these things have been found before. We know already that people with IBD have different stuff in their bodies uh, or different amounts of the same stuff than people without IBD. But the question is, was it there before? Was it there after? Like, what's going on? We don't know. So this was, you know, some interesting research and, uh, you know, great, great, but Definitely, in no way, shape, or form can we say definitively at this point in time that this fungus is a cause of Crohn's disease or of any other form of IBD. But that's what all the headlines were saying. And it was really very frustrating because I feel a significant amount of duty and responsibility to report on things accurately and to um, sort of tell it how it really is. And yet you had all these other reporters out there screaming that we found the cause of Crohn's disease and it, you know, you could say, eh, semantics, what does it matter? Because, uh, you know, but my problem is, is that somebody says, oh, okay, well, so now we know that it's this bacteria and it's this fungus and... So I think my kids are at risk. And so now I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something that is going to change the microbiota in a person who may be at risk for IBD in order to try to prevent it. And we don't know that that is something that is going to work at all. It could be a real bad thing to do. We have no idea. So this research that came out, the fungus and bacteria, It's just, it's not actionable. There's nothing we can do with it at this time, except, wait for it, do more research. So we have to have more research. Hopefully somebody in another area of the world will do the same kind of research. And if they come up with the same results, then we can say, okay, something is going on here and we need to dig deeper into it. Now, what was interesting is that what sort of got buried and you might call this burying the lead uh, to me the the bigger thing about this particular study was not that you know there's different bacteria and fungus in people with ibd like that's already we already knew that you know we're try, we're we're trying to already tease that apart and pull it apart and we'll get there but we're not there yet but what happened was is that they then took the, took you know the stuff that they found and they brought it to the lab and It did something interesting when they got it into the lab. This bacteria and the fungus in the lab interacted and created this thing called a biofilm. So, and then they took this biofilm and they did some more tests in a lab. This is not in people. And they discovered that it caused inflammation in intestinal cells. Again, not in people. This is cells in a lab biofilm in a lab, not people. So, that's interesting because what, you know, maybe there is something going on here with all of these uh different bugs and maybe they get in the right combination and they form the right thing and then it can cause inflammation and then maybe that's something that we need to look at and we need to figure out how to um Deal with it, and that could be a focus for treatment. So that's interesting. But again, it was in the lab. It wasn't really reported on so much. They just kept saying that it was all about this fungus and that this fungus causes Crohn's disease. And it was like, well, no, (laughs) we don't know that at all. (laughs) We just know that there are some people with IBD living in a particular area of Europe that had these extra things in their bodies, which we probably could have guessed already, and it 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 really, um, you know, moved the needle forward. Like I said, maybe we took a step up, but um it was definitely not as groundbreaking as it was made out to be in the lay press, and I certainly didn't need to get, you know, like a hundred emails about it or, you know, whatever happened. Well, here's the thing now. Now we're in March. Okay. I already wrote my article about it. I already sent I don't know how many uh, DMs and PMs and emails and whatever talking to people about this. And then all of a sudden, it's coming back again. People are tagging me in this stuff again. And I'm like, oh, no. How What? you know what happened? And well, you know how it is, is that every so often things get recirculated again. Like every so often, there's like a celebrity death thing that goes around. And I'm like, oh. Oh, that guy died? For real? And then you find out it happened like two years ago, and then you really feel like a dork and a horrible person because you didn't know that this person had died. You know, that kind of thing happens. And I think it's because, um, um, well, you know, stuff on the Internet never goes away, so it just, you know, tends to get, you know, churned around. And there are people that I uh, think of as hub people who when they find something or they discover something for the first time or they hear something for the first time and then they share it and then they've got who knows how many people around them that then share it and it just sort of gets disseminated quicker. So it was actually funny that this fungus story started coming around again and it was a little bit like a, like a nightmare. I kind of had to, you know, clutch my pearls and sort of... But anyway, so I thought, you know what? I already wrote an article about it. Um, There's not much else I can say. I can promote that article again. But I can get out my microphone and have a little discussion with my microphone. And some people might listen to it and understand a little bit better. And really the lesson that I wanted to impart about this whole situation was about critical thinking. And that when something like this comes about and you're reading about it and it sounds too good to be true, that it probably is. And when you get down to it and if, if you actually do have a chance to read the abstract of the study or the study itself, and then you can get into it and see what really was done and what the conclusions really were you sort of get a better perspective and you can say, oh, okay, well, this wasn't really um, what people were making it out to be. Because, you know, um, we have two things at, uh, we have several things at work, but the two things at work that I think propel this type of thing forward the most are that you've got folks doing research, which is amazing, wonderful, love you. Love you for doing research on IBD. Thank you. Um, But unfortunately, you have to publicize this research because you need to get more grants. You need to get more funding so you can do more research. So what happens is, is that you've got some amazing PR person that goes out and emails, you know, and I get these emails all the time. You know, I get the press releases and so forth and I get people contacting me. Hey, do you want to talk to the author of this study? And, you know, sometimes it's like, yes. And sometimes it's like, no. And so they make this, Study sound really great. And maybe, maybe, I mean, I don't like to, you know, this, this is not, they're not, nobody's bad. You know what I mean? Nobody, but maybe they make the study out to be a little bit more important than it actually is so that it gets some attention. And then if it gets attention, you know, the department gets attention and then more research dollars and so on and so forth. So on the one hand, that's a good thing. Somebody doing research on IBD and they get more money and they can do more research on IBD. But on the other hand, that research maybe got a little conflated in the press and things maybe went a little bit too far. Now, on the other side of that, you got reporters or people who write articles or, you know, whatever you want to call people, bloggers. Ugh, I hate that word. But you got these folks who, look, let's face it, you have to have eyeballs on your page Or you're not going to make any money. You know, that's just, that's just how it is. It's the way of the world. It's the way of the internet. So, um, you know, maybe it's in your interest to write a headline that uses words like cause or cure, things like that, because that will draw people into your website. I don't love that. Um, But I do understand that it is a reality of the business. So you've got that happening too. So you've got everybody sort of trying to uh, get a piece of their respective pie here, whatever that pie is, research money or eyeballs on the page. And what you end up with is uh, a, a, you know, a research study that we love that it was done. We want to see more like it, but it did not necessarily move the needle. For anyone who has Crohn's disease today, and it maybe didn't deserve that much attention and hoopla, and you know, all these uh clickbaity uh headlines that were going on. Now, that being said, hey, what if in five years, in 10 years, we find out that there is something going on with this goofy little fungus and that it is actionable and we can develop a treatment or prevention? based on it. That's amazing. That would be awesome. That's five or 10 years from now, you know, and and I can't write an article today that says that we, you know, that this is what's going to happen. We don't know. So we have to write about, we have to talk about what we have today, what's actionable today, what we know today. And believe me, there have been, like I said earlier, I've been doing this since, since 2000. I've seen a lot of things and, and, and that that's like a really long time. I mean, there's, you know, people in the IBD world, physicians published, you know, like much, much longer than that. But what I've seen is that an idea will come up and everybody gets real excited and then more research is done. And then we go, oh, you know what? That initial initial research looked like so awesome and then we did like however many more studies and we just can't come up to the same results and that sucks and this thing that we thought was going to be a thing is not actually a thing and then it sort of peter's out and everybody stops talking about it um and then sometimes it comes back around again but you know most of the time it doesn't it's been it's been you know decided that um it's just not something that's that's um going to be important for the future of IBD treatment. So that does happen. And it's happened a lot. I mean, it's actually happened that I've had something on my plate that, oh my gosh, I better write about this thing. There's been a couple studies that come out. And then you know what? Sometimes it takes me long enough that, you know, I have so many other things that are ahead of it, that another piece of research comes out, and then it actually turns out to not be a thing. (laughs) So, like... You know, not writing that initial article in the first place um, was probably a good idea because I would have had to go back in and say, ah, you know, well, we thought that this might be a big to do for the future of IBD treatment, but it turns out that um, once they did some more in depth work, it's it, you know the initial results couldn't be replicated. So you know that definitely does happen. So you know we're gonna we're gonna wait. You know, I, you know and it's funny because I did end up writing about this because it just became such a big thing, this fungus study. Um, but um, we'll just have to see what happens in the future. And as things come out, uh, you can always look to me to see what's happening. And if it's something that I'm yelling about, that I'm on Twitter tweeting about, whatever. Or if it's something that, um, especially research that's like done on mice. There was another one. Uh, that came out a couple years ago, and now again, like this morning, like literally this morning, it's it's um being recirculated again about certain food additives and a potential connection to IBD. But the thing was, is that the study was done in mice, and so you know, again, awesome. Do the research. Let's move this mess forward and figure out what's going on, so we can prevent more. People from getting IBD, but it was done on mice. And like, I generally don't report on that because that kind of doesn't have, it's not going to mean anything for, you know, like for you. I mean, you may be interested in it intellectually, but I've discovered over the years that most people with IBD are like, well, okay, but like, tell me what's happening now. What's, you know, what's the next drug that's coming? What's, Is there a new surgical technique? You know, how do I manage what's going on in my life right now today? What's going on with healthcare reform? Like, these are the things that people are caring about, want to know about, and I want to provide, I want to spend my time providing that kind of information, particularly when a new drug is on the horizon or when one comes out. I want to be able to give you as much information as I possibly can at that time so that you can make decisions in your healthcare treatment options. So that's the kind of thing that I'm looking to provide to you. And, you know, mouse studies, I read them. You know, I look at them um, because you have to know what's going on with trends and what's coming in the future. But I'm not going to sit down and, you know, write a whole thing about a mouse study because it's just not, you know, I've just learned over the years that it's just not something that, um, most people are going to want to spend their precious time on until it's something that's a little more important and a little more solidified. Uh, so in any case, that is that as far as the fungus among us is concerned. And that's going to end my inaugural podcast or rant. I don't know. Is it a rant? I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to help you. Hopefully you don't feel like I'm ranting at you. In any case, um, I mean, I may in the future. I totally reserve the right to do that. It's my podcast. So you can find me all over the interwebs, on the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Instagrams and, oh, oh my gosh, Pinterest. Uh, my handle is about IBD. My name is Amber Tresca. And you can find my... Complete IBD corpus at verywell.com. Go on to Very Well. Search for just about anything you want to know about IBD. And you might find a little nugget there for you that will help you out. And if you don't find what you're looking for, then find me in my other little corners on the interwebs and say, Hey, I want to know about this thing that has to do with IBD. And can you research it? I love that. I do. Because sometimes things come up and I'm like, holy cow, like I had no idea that there was a connection there. And it might not be a big connection. Um, it might be something that only affects, you know, a subset of people with IBD. But I, it, you know, it's my intention and my goal to cover as many uh, topics as I possibly can so that because we already, people with IBD, we already feel like, um, we sort of get the short end of the stick in a lot of ways, you know, and we do. And then when you have IBD and then you have something that goes along with your IBD that's not common, you know, like eye problems are common, skin problems, arthritis is common, you know, but then you have some other thing that um, maybe your physicians aren't so knowledgeable about because they don't have any other patients that have that, um, you know, I, I want to be able to help provide that kind of information when I can. So thank you so much for listening. There will be more podcasts. I will bring in other people so you won't just happen, you know, to listen to my voice all of the time. Uh, but for now, I'm signing off.